Okay, good evening. evening. Who am I? On one hand, when I'm at shul, when I'm with people in the community, I'm in the base medrash, I feel like a Ben Torah, and I, I'm connected, I'm part of that world. On the other hand, when I'm in a different group of friends, or I'm at work, I'm in the office, it's a whole different vibe, it's a whole different energy, and I almost feel like I have a different identity. For most religious Jews, the struggle of balancing our spiritual lives and our secular lives is something that we deal with every single day. This is a, uh, a sheer devoted to the topic of the double life, trying to balance our spiritual and our secular realities, trying to identify who we are so there's not as much of that inner turmoil, but there could be a stronger feeling of, of peace and clarity in everything that we do. I want to first start off by sharing a couple lines from three different letters, all written by Rufutner, Zecher Tzadik Kodesh Levrocha. In his letters, so much of his personality comes out of the page. Every letter is a response to one of his Talmidim. And let's take a look at the first letter here. It's clear from the question that was posed, the, the Shoel, the one asking for advice, was struggling with this feeling of living a double life. He was working and he was trying to learn but he was losing his, uh, his identity. Who am I? What do I stand for? So Hudner starts off the letter by telling him, you should first know that I'm very impressed with your letter, and I'm so happy to receive it for two reasons. The first, because it's so beautifully composed. The second, is that you've expressed so clearly the struggles that you're going through and that's something that I, I cherish, that you're able to share this with me. So for those two reasons, I very much appreciate your letter. And here's the response of Rav Hutner. Your struggle is based on a false premise. You're working with this assumption that one who has a secular career and who also spends hours of his day and hours of his week engaged in, in spiritual endeavors, you're describing that as a double life. However, I think that's a faulty premise. The marshal that Rav Hudner gives is very powerful. He says, if you have somebody who, he has his own house, but he also rents out a hotel room. His house, he lives there, and the hotel room, he, he rents, and he goes there once in a while. That seems to be a contradiction. That's almost like a double life. Where do you live? Make up your mind. If, however, you have one house with many rooms, is that a contradiction? Are you living a double life? Or, more accurately, that's an expanded life. That distinction says Rav Hutner is one of the most fundamental distinctions we can and we need to make in approaching 
this, this double life quandary. Is it really a contradiction or do I have more opportunity for expanding who I am and what I'm doing for the world around me? He says that he remembers speaking with Dr. Volokh. He was a Frum doctor in Eretz Yisrael. And before he would do surgery, he would ask for the patient's name and the name of their mother so he could daven and say a capital of Tehillim for them before going into surgery. Ruthunder says, I remember hearing from one of the Gedolim that he was jealous of Dr. Volokh. He was jealous of someone who was able to give so much to others, to be there in times of need and in situations of Sakonos Nefashos, and at the same time be so l'shem shemayim, be so sincere. Would you call someone who says a paragraph of Tehillim before performing surgery, is that someone who's living a double life? No. So if Hudner concludes, and he says, I am so pained by the fact that you've had to suffer with this faulty premise for so long. And as much as I can do to help you arrive at clarity, I want to be there for you. Chavivi, my beloved one, you should know that your obligation in this world is lahamid b'mirkaz chayecha esachal. You have to have that one singular clear focus in your life. And then everything you do, if it's directed towards that mission, that's not a contradiction, that's not a double life, that's an expanded existence. If you have many different goals and things and, and pursuits you're striving for, then your life can be complex and convoluted and you might end up living a double life. But if there's one mirka zachayim, there's a center, there's a focus, there's a mission in everything that I'm doing, if it's at shul davening or in the OR doing surgery, that's an Eved Hashem. It's all about having the echad, that one singular focus. Then I don't have confusion as to who I am and what I'm doing. In the second letter, Rav Hutner gives the following example. He says, if someone's holding on to a plastic cup of seltzer, not this exact muscle, but he's holding on to something in his hand, you really don't know how tightly he's grabbing onto it. However, what's the litmus test? How do you know how strong that grip is? As soon as you try to grab it away from him, then you'll have an indication of how tightly his grab is. So he says when a person, a young man is in yeshiva, or you have a young lady who's going through seminary, or a bal tshuva, or a balas tshuva, and they're in that initial stage of inspiration, and they're amongst great people and teachers, people who are holding their hand and, and taking them to higher places, that's an amazing opportunity, that's a bracha. But how much of that is a part of who you are? How much of that yeshiva experience has transformed you as a person? That's only once you leave that environment. Once you're no longer there, now you have everything in the world that's pushing against you. You're no longer inspired by great people, you're exposed to the masses. 
and you're involved in mundane, secular activities, and there's so many priorities out there that have nothing to do with the priorities of Torah, it's at that point, explains Rav Hutner, then you could tell how tight are you holding on to what you really believe in. How connected am I to that mirka zachayim, that mission, that focus in life? So it's true, it's more comfortable, it's easier when we're just surrounded in that, that environment of Kedusha. But when we're pushed into the quote-unquote real world, then those challenges actually become more meaningful. The last letter I'll share with you from Raputner, he gives an example of two people who are both middle age. Now middle age, as we get older, gets older as well. <laughs> What's middle age nowadays? About 65, right? <laughs> Two people, middle age. One fellow went to yeshiva for 12 years after high school and amassed a ton of knowledge in Shas and Poskim. And the other person never had that opportunity or he chose not to go to yeshiva. Instead, he went straight into uh, post-high school education He's got, got his bachelor, he got his PhD. Now he's doing whatever he's doing, trying to make a parnasa. Who's closer to Torah right now? Who's closer to Hashem right now? So he says it's based on the following calculation. This is the bottom piece here on page one. Lira shnei Two men standing at middle age. One of them, when he was younger, spent many years learning, and the other one went straight into making a parnasah. It seems to be the opposite. The first person has a feeling of harata, of regret, for wasting so much time going to yeshiva and not getting started in his career earlier. And therefore now he doesn't have that drive, he doesn't have that, that, that yearning to connect with Torah. The second fellow, he's misrached ad shalotis asik He wishes he could go back in time and, and have that foundation of learning, which he never had. The second fellow, although he doesn't have much knowledge, he has not much experience in Torah, right now, Bashar Husham, he's closer to Torah, he's closer to Hashem. Rav Hutner once said, if you have a guy who learns all day, but it's not really his, his source of life, and when there's a spare moment, he's looking into Wall Street, in contrast to the guy who actually works on Wall Street all day, and when he has a spare moment, he's trying to connect with something in the Ruchnius realm, it's likely the second guy is in a much higher level of Kedusha, although he's living in an environment that's far from Kadosh. So much of who we are, of what defines my, my identity, is based on what do I want out of life? What am I striving for? It's not based on what I've been doing for the last 20 years. It's Ba'asher Husham, right here, right now. What do I want out of life? What is my mission? I heard from a, a long-time 
Talmud of Chaim Berlin, a quote from Rav Hutner. He said, Rav Hutner used to say, you could tell a lot about a person based on three things. The first is what they want their children to be. What's your vision for your children as they, as they grow up? The second is what do you speak about? What's the majority of your conversation? Right? Is it just about Jewish geography, which is fun for some of us? Or is, is there more tochen? Do we speak about feelings of brainstorming and strategizing? How can we get ourselves and our family to the next level? Are we speaking about concepts? Are we speaking about ideals? Are we allowing ourselves to ask real questions and enhance relationships? Or do we suffice with superficiality? So the second thing that tells a lot about a person, said with Hudner, is what do we speak about? The third thing, which I find the most interesting, who do you want recognition from? Right? We all crave external validation. We all want covered. Who do I want that covered from? Do I want it coming from the masses? Do I want it coming from people that I myself am mechabed? Now, what's so delicate and confusing about this topic is we get mixed messages. On one hand, we saw together last week from the Ramchal in the very end of the Mesul Sisharim, where he told us that the, the path of Hasidus will be different depending on who you are and, and what you're doing with your life. Nonetheless, he did promise us that just like you could have someone who's totally devoted to Torah and, and, and spirituality, he could be a chassid gomer. The same thing can be true for someone who's involved with the, the lowly garbage pickup. You could both be on the same level of chassidus. So that's empowering. On the other hand, we have different messages as well. Right? The Mishnah in Perkyavos tells us, Lo am ha'aretz chasid. If you're am ha'aretz, if you're ignorant, you have no chance of being righteous. So how does that make you feel? So it depends. If I've been learning for many years and I don't view myself as an am ha'aretz, then I'm okay with that Mishnah. But if I don't really have that much exposure to Torah, or even if I do, but I lack self-esteem and I consider myself an Amoritz, because I know there are so many people that know so much more than I do. So does that mean I can't become a chassid? If by listening to myself and, and, and being shawaleitza and getting guidance from others, I now, in my present reality, I'm an accountant, I'm a lawyer, I'm a podiatrist, whatever I'm doing. So likely I don't have eight hours a day to be learning. If I'm a mother, if I'm a wife, if I have a family, I don't have all those opportunities I had when I was learning about Yiddish. <laughs> so if I feel that I'm, I'm stifled in my growth because <laughs> 
I just don't have the, the ability. So does that mean I can't become a chassid? So I'll share with you something very significant from Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter said that most people misunderstand what the Mishnah in Pirkei Abbas is telling us. The Mishnah is not saying that if you're an Amoritz, if you're not learned and if you're not a scholar, then you have no chance of becoming righteous, you have no chance of connecting with Hashem. That's apikorsus, that's heresy. So what does the Mishnah mean? Explains Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. The Mishnah is telling us that no matter who you are or what you're doing in life for your occupation, if we're not trying to connect with Torah to the maximum of our abilities, then if we don't have that motor, we don't have that, that force of Kedusha of Torah, we don't have that connection to Torah, then yes, our ability to strive towards Hasidus will be limited. If, however, explains Rabbi Yisrael Salanter that I may only have a few minutes a day to be learning something, but I take it seriously. When the Mishnah says elsewhere in Perkyavos, I should make my Torah my, my keva, my, my set thing, doesn't mean that it has to be the majority of my time throughout my day or week, but it has to be something that I take seriously. There's a kavias, it's substantial. If I make Torah something that I, I cherish, and I may not relate to this type of learning, and I may relate more to this type of learning, but I, I, I find myself, and I listen to that passion, and I pursue that passion, so then I can be a chassid. Lo amma aretz chassid is if I'm not willing to push, to do whatever I can do, given my circumstance, given my life, my life setting, so then, yes, my ability to become righteous will be diminished. But it makes no difference how much I actually know. Like Rav Hudner told us, it's about my ratzon, it's about my, my yearning. If I want to be connected, even though the vast majority of my day I don't have time, but when I do have time, I make sure to plug in. I could be a righteous person. There's a, a book that was written just a few years ago by Rav Aaron Lapiansky, uh, entitled Ben Torah for Life. Very interesting, very necessary read for anyone who has made that transition from more of the yeshiva or kolel background, and now they find themselves in the quote-unquote real world. In the beginning of the book, he tells the following story describing what his agenda was in, in creating this sefer. That the clock struck seven in the evening, and the young man of the yeshiva began putting away their gemaras. It was the last day of a long winter's man. It was the end of the semester. And they were taking home their svarim. Here and there, young men were exchanging wishes, asking where people are going for yontif, telling each other to have a good yontif. Within a few moments, everyone had left, and only Yaakov remained. Yaakov was busy taking all of his belongings out of the shelves, 
He was doing so at a snail's pace. At some point he sat down and became deeply lost in thought. His eyes began misting, and the memory of more than a dozen years flooded his mind. He remembered his high school Rebbe Shmuzin, that had fired his imagination and passion to become Hagodol Hador. He remembered the stories about Gedolim who did not seem to have any great abilities in their youth, yet through sheer willpower and tefillah, they became tremendous Talmidei Chachamim. He had secretly promised himself that he would be that type of Gadol. Yaakov winced at that memory. He remembered some great Zmanim in Yeshiva and some other dreary ones. Marriage, Kolel. And now packing his bags for the last time, Rosh Chodesh Iyar, he would then no longer be in Yeshiva. He'd be sitting behind the desk at his father's office, shuffling papers of some sort. Another Balabas, nothing to write home about. No biographies will be written about you. Was he leaving because finances, pressure, burnout, a sense of no accomplishment, or maybe all of the above? Powerful emotions surged up within him. I'm a traitor. All of my many shmuzin that I've heard from my rebbeim, they began to pound away at him. But then there was a backlash. This is not the point. This is not what Kalal Yisrael is supposed to look like. 90% of Kalal Yisrael should be working. We've become a nation of schnorrers. I'm fulfilling my responsibilities to my family, the responsibility of the ksuba. He then began to doubt his rebellion. They meant well, but they were naive. They were disconnected from the real world and just don't get it. He then was ashamed of those thoughts and said to himself, you're just blaming other people for your shortcomings. And he kept on going back and forth within his mind, within his heart, from personal guilt to anger at those who had been guiding him until now. But worst of all was anticipating a bleak spiritual future. Visions of a rushed superficial davening, maybe catching a word of Torah here and there, Descending into the good life culture, it all depressed him. For so long he had seen himself as made of a finer cloth, and now he'd be like the rest of them. Concludes Rav Lapiansky, this is a book for Yaakov. I think many times we're struggling with the fact that if now I'm in school, or now I'm working, that's Bidi Evid. That's not the ideal. Ideally, you should still be learning. And if you're not learning, you should at least be teaching. And if you're not teaching, so maybe you could be an executive director of a yeshiva. Right? But if you're none of the above, I don't want to say you're a failure, but you didn't really make it. You're not l'chadchilah. That's the message that, that goes around the mind of many people who believe wholeheartedly in the centrality of Torah and who want to be connected with Torah. But through my life's journey, I find myself here. I'm not living in the base medrash. Does that mean that I'm living a bidi existence? And the answer is a resounding no. 
Whether you live l'chadchila or b'di'evid, whether your life is ideal or it's subpar, is based on what I do with my life every single day. It's based on, do I have that echad? Do I have that one singular focus? My identity is not changed depending on where I find myself. Am I davening in shul? Am I coming to a shir? Or am I at the office? I'm the same human being with the same mission. What is that mission? Ivri anochi. I want to be an Eved Hashem. I want to devote everything that I have and everything that I am to connect with the Kaddosh Baruch Hu and to be Mekayim Lerotzon Hashem, to fulfill the will of God. It's that simple. And if I'm living with that clarity, I'm living with that Echad, with that Mirka Zachayim, that central focus, then that's Lechad Chila, that's the most ideal life we could possibly be living. Lo Aretz Chasid. If I don't strive for connection in Torah, I don't have that, that limud ha-Torah as part of my life, so then yeah, my growth will be diminished. But if I have clarity in my focus, that's l'chad chila no matter what I'm doing. Ramosha Feinstein, actually in this week's Parsha, speaks about the famous chazal of Yaakov falling asleep on the many stones, the yikach me'avne hamakom, and Rashi quotes that there were many stones, they were fighting over, right, who is Yaakov going to lay his head down on? Each stone wanted that, that schus of having the tzaddik lay his head down upon, upon that particular stone. So a miracle happens, and they all become one, they all unite. So everything ends well. Somebody asked me a question on the Chazal. If we're 12 stones and we're all fighting, whatever actually took place, we're going to go with the metaphor. You have 12 different stones that are all vying for Yaakov Avinu. So then they become one, they mold into one stone. How does that help anything? His head is still over there on that part of the stone, not over here. That's the question that Ramosh was bothered by. He says, within this somewhat cryptic Rashi, we find a life-altering idea. He said, we know that the Iker Tafkid Achayim is that everything I do should be Kadosh Umoser Lavodas Hashem. I want to be channeled, I want to be directed to Hashem. However, there's much of what I do throughout the day that does not feel holy. Right? Uh, changing a diaper doesn't feel like a holy endeavor. Going to Publix does not feel like an expression of Kedusha. Right? There are many things that we do, perhaps the vast majority of things that we do. Where is the, where is the sanctity in what I'm doing? Says Ramosha, if we live a life where we compartmentalize and we say, this is a hassle and this is just something we have to get through, and I have this moment, I have, I have three minutes, I could daven a little bit or say some Tehillim, or I have my, my 10 minutes where I'm gonna be Kovei Itim, but everything else is just, okay, you'll get through it. He says that that could be the recipe for disaster. 
Because then the vast majority of your life, of the hours of the day, are basically wasted with maybe a few moments here and there for something that has Kedusha. Explains Ramosha, once we elevate and we understand that if we have that common goal in everything we do, then it doesn't make a difference if I'm changing a diaper, if I'm going shopping, if I'm able to be in the base medrash, if it's all for that same she'ifa, that same yearning to connect with Hashem, so then everything is uplifted, everything has that injection of Kedusha. I don't have to be that part of the rock that Yaakov Avinu is laying down on, because it's all working together. If this part and that part were missing, then he wouldn't have his pillow. Every aspect of my day, every aspect of my life, if I have the clarity, nothing is bidiyevit. Everything can be transformed into lechatchila. It depends on my, my perspective. I remember speaking with a, uh, a young man. He was coming out of Kolel. So likely he was learning probably at least 10, 11 years after high school. He was in his late 20s at the time. And he had his, his mind set on a particular type of position in clay Kodesh, in, in teaching and being Marbit's Torah, sharing the, the truth of Torah with others. But after a year or two, he was struggling to find any real opportunity that he felt would, would be matim, would fit with his personality. And eventually, he went in a different direction. He went back to school at the age of 30. And he shared with me that the first semester he was in school again, with many of the students you could imagine were many years younger than he was, he had such a deep depression that he had to fight off daily. I always envisioned myself doing this. I always pictured myself contributing to the world in this role, in this capacity of, of being either a Rebbe in a yeshiva or to be a, a, a Kiruv person, to inspire others. And now I'm sitting here listening to some professor with people who are seven, eight years younger than I am. He felt like a failure. He said that during that first semester, he almost dropped out a few times, but he kept on pushing through. There was a conversation that he had with a different professor in that college, not a Jewish guy, but a very, very wise person who basically caught him at one point after class and said, you look depressed. What's going on? And first he tried to like get around the issue. How am I going to explain? He had no clue, my culture, what I'm thinking. But then he said, you know what? I have no better option. So he poured his heart out to this non-Jewish professor and explained where he was and why he was struggling. And the guy told him, I totally understand. Obviously, I don't know, you know, your culture and, and how things were described to you and, and what you define as success. But I can tell you one thing. If you keep on striving 
and you get through this stage and you get yourself a degree and you go out in the world and you help people in any way, it's hard to believe that God's going to be disappointed in you. Pretty straightforward. And he said, for some reason, that, that hit him like a ton of bricks. What is the point of, of everything we're doing? Is it to fulfill the, the, the role that I had in my head from the time I was, I was 18? Or is it to do the Ratzon Hashem? We're here to fulfill the will of God. And if I could do that in whatever role HaKadosh Baruch Hu places me, and I could be sincere and I could help people, and my avoda itself is not b'diyavid, but it's l'chadchila. That's nothing to be depressed about. There is a shoemaker that once went to Rabbi Yisrael Salanter and asked him the question, what should I be thinking about as I'm making shoes? What should my kavana be? So Rabbi Yisrael, in his classic demeanor, said back, you should have in mind to make the shoes well. He was a little surprised. He was assuming it would be something more esoteric or something along the lines of what the Nefesh Shachaim speaks about, that even when you're working, you should be thinking and learning. And those are all lofty levels. But the message of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter to this shoemaker was, whatever you're doing in life, do it well. This is serving a purpose. You're contributing. And if you live your life half-baked, where because I feel that it's Bidiyevit, because I feel that this is not really a good use of my time, and it's only those 10 minutes a day that, that are significant, they might be the most significant, but they might not. If what I'm doing right here, right now, I'm focused, I'm energized, I'm, I'm, I'm here to help people in whatever possible way I can, that's also a Vodas Hashem. So balancing the spiritual and the secular comes down to the realization that there's no such thing as the secular. You have that focus, you have that clarity of mission, everything is spiritual. Have a great night.